again. We have an interest in you and your business and we're running these business lunchtime talks each Thursday. So once again it's great to have your company as we study the life and the leadership of a woman called Deborah. So as we come let's see how we can put the Bible back into business and to stay informed about our business lunchtime talk why not hit the YouTube subscribe button now. If we have met before it's great to have you back and if we haven't met before my name is Trevor Boyd and I'm the minister here in First Rothfriden Presbyterian Church and you can find out more about us by visiting our website at www.1strothfriland.co.uk Today I'm going to lead us in reading from Judges chapter 4 uh, verses 9 to 16 uh, as we meet uh, to consider uh, this woman of leadership called Deborah. Uh, the leadership quality and the leadership ability of Deborah uh, had the respect of both men and the women that she worked with. She came to leadership as we have discovered at a very difficult time in the nation of Israel but really she took uh, the bull by the horns uh, and things started to turn in the right direction. So stay with us uh, and as always uh, if you have any questions or you want a listening ear feel free to contact me using the details at the end of this video. So let's turn to Judges 4 beginning at verse 9. So she said I will surely go with you. Nevertheless there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking for the Lord will tell Sesra or will sell Sesra into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zenum, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sesera that Barak, the son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sesera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him, from Harasheth Hagim to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up! For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sesra into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sesra and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sesra alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagium, and all the army of Sesra fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. And we finish there at verse 16. The scene has been set for, for us as we look at this battle between two armies under two commanders. Barak is at a disadvantage in terms of the number of men and the quality of equipment at his disposal. So we see immediately that the armies are not evenly matched. 
But, but the good news for Barak comes uh, at the end of verse 7. And we read that last week. It was a promise from God. It said, I will deliver him into your hand. The big difference was that Barak was following God's instructions. And God was with Barak. As he would mount a charge on the bed of the river Kishon. The location that was specified by God. Now, most rivers in that region, they really ran along dry stream beds for most of the year. Which then usually flowed with water only during the rainy season. Now, in life there are battles that we can choose to fight. And that there are others basically that we should ignore. In life there are times, uh, as you have well discovered in business, when you don't ask the question unless you know the answer. In some ways it is possible to stack the odds in your favour by choosing where to fight the battle. Your business, it may be strong in a particular area and that is where you want to fight your battle with the competitors. You want to do battle where you stand out in a good way. Maybe you're selling a product and you will choose to highlight the advantages, the strengths of that product over the competition. In business, you may well be aware of your weaknesses, but you're not going to go around telling everyone. You're rightly going to stick to your strengths. You're going to stick to your firm ground. The strength that Barak had was that God was with him. And God had chosen where the battle was going to be fought. The location of the battle was actually the enemy's weakest point. Because their iron chariots, they needed good dry ground for them to be effective. Interestingly, Barak was not going to go into battle unless Deborah would go with him. Rather than seeing the, the leader of the nation, the judge Deborah, as a hindrance or getting in the way in the heat of battle, Barak saw Deborah as a command asset that he needed. Indeed, Barak was not going to go to battle unless Deborah came with him. Barak told Deborah, if you will go with me, I will go. Barak wanted the presence, he wanted the support, he wanted the wisdom, and he wanted the guidance of Deborah. And giving Barak the benefit of the doubt in many ways, Barak asked and Deborah replied that she would go. She would go into battle with Barak. Now, Deborah, in verse 9, she, she could have answered Barak in, in many different ways. But as a leader, with maturity and with wisdom, she took the diplomatic approach. She didn't ridicule Barak or question his manliness. She didn't nag at him. She didn't try to embarrass him. She didn't command him. She didn't insist. Nor, indeed, did she attempt to manipulate him. She merely reminds him of his responsibilities before God. In many ways, Deborah uses the carrot approach rather than the stick approach. She reminds Barak that God wanted to honour him. 
But she also says that due to his lack of faith, a woman will be honoured in his place. And yet with all of that, Deborah promises to support Barak and to go with him into the battle. Now, it becomes clearer to us week by week that Deborah's heart is with her people. Deborah is willing to go wherever her people are and whenever her people need her. And inspirational leaders, whether they're people you know or whether they're people you read about, inspirational leaders are those who care deeply about their people and their well-being. As we have said before, Deborah was a magnet rather than a bulldozer. But above all, she was a great leader because she knew God and God was with her and in turn was with the people. There is no hint in the judge's account of Deborah being a self-promoter. Rather, we get the picture that Deborah served God, that Deborah served God's people, Israel, as she went and served amongst them. Some of us, more than others, we realise the value of companions. We realise the value of someone who will walk beside us. Now, in the business world, it's becoming very, let's say, trendy to have a mentor, uh, to have someone that uh, you can turn to, uh, and they will give you guidance and direction as you, in many ways, bear your soul and your business situation to them. Or you, you could simply go to a trade fair or a dinner or a conference and you know that when you see a particular person that you'll see someone else with them. You, you'll say that they're like Siamese twins, they're never parted from each other. Or you'll say whenever you go to dinner, well I can guess who's going to be sitting at their table. They always have the same guess. Or if one company goes in a particular direction, does something, then Another company always seems to follow. When I was uh, participating on our trade stand at Balmoral Show, there were regular visitors that we got to know each year. And there were those who came in twos or came in a small group together. They were out for the day. And often you could sense that they were more comfortable or they were more secure whenever they were with their friend or whenever they were with the discussion group or the dairy group, whatever it was. They, they could ask their questions, they could have a bit of banter, they could debate without feeling afraid, without the fear of being backed into a corner by a, a sales rep. For them, there, there was strength in numbers. There was extra confidence from having company. And no doubt that this was the same for Barak. He was willing, he was willing to take a cut and pay really to have the confidence of Deborah by his side. Because Barak wasn't going to get all the glory for the victory. Some of that at least was going to go to another woman. Deborah was beside Barak, and Deborah led by example. History tells us that Deborah did a great job as a judge leading the people of Israel. In many ways, she turned the nation around. Deborah was perfectly capable 
of leading a country and of being the chief legal advisor or authority. But she also recognised that she had limits and that she needed to work with others. She was not the army commander, that was Barak's job, but she was willing to work with him. She only went to war at Barak's request and nowhere in the account of the battle is it mentioned that that she interfered. It was Barak's battle uh, and she gave instruction or advice when asked. God gave her the instructions to give to Barak. And it is good when we in our way, when we lead by example, when we work effectively together uh, as a team. Now, COVID-19 lockdown uh, has reminded us that as humans, we really were made for interaction with other humans. It's what comes naturally and to be locked away on our own, to have limited contact, it doesn't just feel right. It may have changed now, but certainly uh, at one point in time, one of the loneliest jobs used to be working on the fish farms in the north of Scotland. And the guys that took on those jobs had difficulties. As a consequence, those workers who spent a lot of time in isolation on their own, away from company, away from friends, they had a high rate of alcoholism and a high rate of suicide. Because, quite simply, they lacked human companionship. So Deborah, Deborah teaches us many different things but, but there are two things that come through in today's events. Firstly she, she teaches us to be obedient. If your boss wants you to do something it's good to do it. But if your boss wants you to do something new or something different you too then should be willing to step out of your comfort zone with their support, with their companionship. If God is telling you to do something or go somewhere despite your fears, then again, listen to his call because he has plans that we cannot begin to understand. And our hearts and our lives may be changed for the good and for the better and indeed for the better of others by being obedient. Secondly, Deborah teaches us to be courageous. Doing something out of your comfort zone, it can be awkward and it can be stressful as many of us have found uh, in recent weeks and months. We have found ourselves doing things that we had never done before. We have found ourselves doing more things uh, because we can't communicate the same way. We can't get about uh, as we once did. And that can be stressful and yet it can be very rewarding or If it all goes belly up, it has been a learning experience. The leadership of Deborah is a signal to be bold, a signal to be courageous. In the book of Judges, Deborah was a prophetess. She was a judge at a time when the Israelite nation was experiencing political hopelessness, when it was going through social upheaval and spiritual waywardness. In our country, the position of First Minister, of Deputy First Minister, 
and what will be the interim Attorney General are all filled by women. In our country we, we can look around us and we can see women involved in leadership at the very highest level just like Deborah. So there's opportunity for women to flourish and to be part of leadership at the highest level. There's an opportunity for them to set an example. And Deborah set an example. She set an example in her management of national, social and spiritual matters. Not all of us are called to be a First Minister or Deputy First Minister or to be head of the judiciary. But there is an opportunity for, indeed, most if not all of us, in some small way, to be leaders. I'm sure that there must have been people who said or at least thought that Deborah shouldn't have been a prophet. Women will no doubt be more familiar with these objections than I am, but I would imagine uh, things along the lines, it's a man's job to be the judge. It's a man's job to lead the country. We never had a woman before. She won't be strong enough. They won't respect her. And so that list, no doubt, could go on. But Deborah, she ignored those comments from the sidelines. And she got on with her job. A leader, whatever their level, should be like Deborah. They should tell the truth. They should condemn the wrong and they should be able, like her, to present a better vision of the future. Our nation is in, it is in a crisis and you will say, well, it doesn't take a genius to work that out. We're just coming through a pandemic. Um, what else would you expect with businesses being closed, etc., etc.? And that is true. But we also have a number of other areas where there is a crisis. It's not just in the workplace where we need leadership. We also need leadership beyond the doors of the factory and beyond the doors of the workshop and the retail sector. We need leadership in the community. When it comes to crisis, we could look at our nation and say, marriage is in a crisis or, or the family is in a crisis. We need a better vision of family life. There's a mental well-being crisis. We need a, a better vision for mental health. There's a, a social isolation crisis. We need a better vision of how people can connect with one another. And so today as we spend time together we come to realisation that our society needs people to be Debris. People who can articulate the crisis that we're in and then help to take us in a new direction. Deborah's job, your job, is to encourage everyone around you and to lead in whatever way you can. We certainly have a job on our hand uh, pressing those around us to use their gifts because there's a natural tendency for most of us to want to minimise what we can do, what we've got to offer. It's 
wonderful how a little bit of encouragement can get people to act. And you've maybe experienced that in your role where, where someone has come along and tapped you on the shoulder or slapped you on the back and said, that was a job well done. I liked how you did that. Or that new design worked well. Could we have some more of that? And that encouragement, it gets people to act. People need someone, as we thought earlier, to stand with them, a companion, a mentor, someone to gather around and encourage. Yes, it's easy to lament about what we don't have. But we should focus on the resources. We should focus on the power that we do have. Like the Israelites in the story of Deborah, they could very well have sat down and said, well, we don't have the 900 iron chariots of the Canaanites. But they recognised that they still had people. They may not have been as well equipped, as well trained, or they may not have been as many of them, but they still had people. Very few who want to make change have major financial backing unless they are a front for a big business in the first place. Where I'm coming from, and you've maybe experienced some of this, uh, I'm coming from a religious community. And within the religious community, people know about the power of pastoral presence, the presence of human beings drawing alongside other human beings, being like Deborah, being amongst the people. It could be when someone dies, we are present with family. It could be when someone's in crisis or time of hurt, we draw alongside and are present with those who suffer. We're present at weddings, at baptisms and at hundredth birthdays. It's being present in the community, in its pain and in its joy. There's something that is powerful in being with uh, the people. Martin Luther King was a 26-year-old minister back in 1955 when a black lady called Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white lady at the time of segregation in America. Martin Luther King, he had a wife. He had a young, ch- uh, young family. He was new to Montgomery and Alabama. He had family responsibilities. He then had just moved to his church and his church leadership wasn't all that enamored or wasn't all that supportive of him stepping into a dangerous civil rights crisis. And it really wasn't a good or it wasn't a convenient time for Martin Luther King to step up to the mark to bring this case of Rosa Parks before the public. The black community, but they didn't have political power, nor did it have financial backing. But it realized that it had economic power in the form of paying bus passengers. And so, through Rosa Parks and the actions of Martin Luther King, the bus boycott followed. And that captured the imagination And that sparked a movement of change. And the name of Martin Luther King is known throughout the Western world. We may not be Martin Luther Kings. We may not have the Aryan chariots that the Canaanites had. But those Canaanite chariots, they got stuck in the mud. 
We have got people. We have got creativity. We have got tools at our disposal. We've got power that we can tap into. Deborah used what she had. And so you and I, we too must use what we have. And some, some of the best Deborahs in any nation and in our nation could be found amongst our young people. Almost everyone knows about the story of David and Goliath. That story about the little boy overcoming the big tall man. It's interesting that so few people know about this story of Deborah. The prophet, the judge, telling the truth, pushing leaders to fight for liberation, inspiring a ragtag army to defeat the military power and might of the Canaanites. I trust that you will take time to think and to learn about this story in Deborah. And may Deborah inspire you in your work and in your community so that it is a better place for all. So I leave you with the thoughts of Deborah. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week. Let's come and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, in this world and in our community, there are many things that could be better. Lord, there are many things that are the crisis point for businesses, for families and for the community. And we pray that you would raise up Deborahs of all ages to bring about changes that would honour you and bless our people. Today, Lord God, we want to thank you for the doctors, for the nurses, for the care teams and for the families who look after loved ones of those who are ill at home in residential care or in hospitals. Lord, we come and as we think about leadership and change, we pray for the NHS which is in a time of great change, when it stands on the threshold of major reorganisation to meet the demands that have been placed upon it. And so we pray, Lord, for the business consultants who will give their input. We pray for the senior management and for the health minister and officials who will ultimately have to be Deborahs and work as a team to make the NHS more fit for purpose. Lord, we continue to pray for our businesses and for our community. Lord, whatever the crisis, whatever the situation, may you indeed continue to raise up people to be able to explain what the situation is and be able to paint a brighter and a better future. And so, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name.